<laughs> All right. Okay, so we're just going to go for it. Okay. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. We're at episode eight. This is going to be a two-parter because we are flipping the script this episode. We are deviating from the established formula of discussion about multiple topics, and we're discussing one particular topic. But before I get ahead of myself here, I am joined by guest numero uno, Justin Hartwell. How are you doing today, brother? Dude, it is a fantastic day. It is nice and toasty out. I just got some ice cream, so please pardon my random noises of eating this delicious goodness. But I'll tell you that, it's been <laughs> awesome. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm, I just did some grocery shopping. I uh, got some beer. The women, U.S. women, play France at 3 o'clock my time, so I'm looking forward to that, man. Nice. Badass. Okay. Now, we ju- I just got out of Suicide Squad, and we'll address that later on in the episode when we uh, when we reach that period. But if you recall, and people listening recall, in the first episode we ever did, we talked about going through the history of superhero films and breaking it down and figuring out, answering the question basically, how did we get here? Because we are in an era that is unprecedented with the acceptance and seriousness of superhero films. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean... This is this is a time that, you know, our parents growing up where this probably never would have happened. They never would have seen, you know, the amount of nerd acceptance, I guess you could call it. Like, you know, we, we live in an era where a talking raccoon and a tree monster are beloved by America. Can you believe, can you believe that? No, I, it blows my mind that people are trying to, like, get into comics and the such to try to figure out who these characters are more. Yes. Or, like, know them on a deeper level and and that there's just this general acceptance of them. Because, again, like, years ago, this never would have been possible. Like, it would have, it would have been laughed at if you were to say, yeah, pretty much all of America is going to be wanting to watch the next Avengers Yeah, okay. So... I took it upon myself, I did some research, I, I got the list of films that I want to talk about, and I've broken them up into ages, because this is comic books, they're broken up into ages. So, without further ado, let's dive into this. Let's talk about the first, I, I don't know if this was the first major superhero film, but it's the first that I consider the first major superhero film, uh, Batman 1966, you know, the campy movie based off the TV show. That really, oh, was that the that was the Adam West one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Adam West and Burt Ward, yes. Yeah. Well, first off, let me get started. This is the age I call the golden age. If you know anything about comics, it's kind of like the quaint years, the like this is the first steps, kinda, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it's like their first step. It was their like feeling it out, seeing what works and what won't work. Yeah, okay, so a little bit of back history. Pre Golden Age, I mean there were there were serialized Batman and superhero adventures on screen in the early 30s, 40s, and 50s during the war and during the Korean War, but it was like a short film kind of thing. Batman 1966 was arguably the first feature length, that's the key here, feature length, 60 minutes or longer in one city, yep. uh, superhero film. Um, yeah. And obviously it was based off the 19, the, the 60s TV show. Did you ever watch it? Did you you watch reruns of that, huh? 
Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it because I remember that was when, you know, the first Joker yes. character came out and, you know, when they had all of the villains. Yeah, and, I mean, we're not going to dwell on it, but it's it's the definition of campy. It's, it's silly. It's not meant to be taken seriously because back in those days, comics weren't taken seriously. Well, shit, back in the day, you know, those comics were just very campy in general. I mean, yeah, back then, yeah. Superman had... 50 different superpowers like he could shape shift and he could like control toasters or whatever like the ridiculous powers that everyone always forgets about yeah and what it was basically whatever the comic book writer or the comic book artist needed Superman to do he could basically do but as far as the Batman 1966 goes I mean it has the infamous like bat shark repellent spray do you remember when they were hanging from the bat copter it's it's really I would recommend it for small children because they might think it's really cute, but like it's not meant to be taken seriously. It's people. No. no, not at all. Okay, so jumping forward ahead, and you already told me that you hadn't seen the original Superman, but the next film is Superman 1978, the granddaddy of them all, the are the first success a superhero film has ever had. Yeah, true, and, and that was with the most iconic Superman of all time. Yeah. And you have to understand, like, this was also in a time of just general filmmaking. You have to think, Jaws came out in 75, Star Wars came out in 77, and then you had Superman come out in 78. So this was like, this was like the pinnacle of... The like, film industry. Film, like, this is the, that was the start of, the, of modern filmmaking. And Superman was a big part of that. A little bit of history about it. Okay, so it was directed by Richard Donner, Dick Donner. And he wanted to film Superman 1 and 2 back-to-back, right? So he basically filmed them back-to-back, from what I understand. And what happened was Superman 1 was a huge success, and then when they were ready for Superman 2 to come out, they kind of tinkered with it. So there's two different versions of Superman 2, which came out in 1980. That's the one that, and, and Superman 2 that came out in 1980... That's the one that features, you know, one of the greatest villains of all time, General Zod. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Neil oh. before Zod. Yeah, the Neil before, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's kind of cool that they have, like, two different versions of it, because it sounds like they've been doing, you know, the theatrical cut and the director's cut for ages now. Basically what happens is there's there's basically three versions of a film, all right? There's the, okay. there's the script, which, you know, is done by the writer, or writers, whatever, whatever it is. That's the first version of the film. And then there's the second version of the film, which is the director's cut, which is after production's done, filming's done, everything's together, they get it done, and that's, that is what the second version, the director's cut is. And then it's given to the editors, and this is the third and usually theatrical final version of the film is the editor's version. The editor picks apart, and you know, usually the editor is hired by the producers, and yeah. the editor isn't on the same level as the director, but he's not beholden to the director, so he can do whatever he thinks is best or the producers thinks is best. And that can cause a lot of conflict, like in this situation, where during Superman 2, while they were filming Superman 2, Richard Donner got fired, and they replaced him. I can't remember the second guy's name, but he took over. And he, it, There's basically two different versions of Superman 2, but the Dick Donner's director cut is the best version because it's it includes so much more. Interesting. Yeah, th- these three, these first three films are kind of like I said, the granddaddy, the golden age. They're like they're what our parents 
and the older generations think of as the definitive Superman versions. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, you know, the top two because, you know, when you talk to anyone, anyone who's been watching the movies, I mean, they say that those are the, those are the movies. Like, point blank. Like, the ones today are decent. Yeah. Uh, at least Superman movie-wise, but we'll catch that later. Yeah, and, okay, so, and this is also key because Marvel was not the pioneers in this department. DC was because, I mean, you gotta think, Batman and Superman have been around since the 30s. Think about it. Oh, that. yeah. And they are, as far as DC is concerned, the most successful superheroes of all time. Like, they are. When people think of superheroes, they think of Batman and Superman. Exactly. Yeah, and so they're they're iconic is what I'm getting at. So we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's why where we're at now is very, is extremely weird. Okay, so moving forward, we enter into the time period I call the Silver Age, which it goes from 1986 to 1997, which is about 11 years, give or take, right? Okay. Okay, so between Superman 2, which came out in 1980, and Howard the Duck, which came out in 1986... There wasn't really a lot of, you know, significant entries into the genre. Okay, so Howard the Duck. Okay, so <laughs> Okay, so Marvel had made some TV films like based off of their characters like Captain America, which had a 70s TV Thor show and everything yeah. else. Yeah. And Hulk, obviously the Hulk had a TV show in the 70s. Yep. And they did TV films of their characters. But Howard the Duck was the first feature-length film that Marvel produced. Which is weird. Like, you wouldn't think that would be their first go-to Okay, film. so, a little background behind this. I've never seen it. I've seen parts of it. I've never seen it because it's awful. Let's just call it like it is. It's awful. It's more... It's it's kind of weird. It's also produced by George Lucas. Like, George Lucas helped produce this film. So, it's like, you would think after... I mean, this is 86. Like, three years after Jedi. It's like, you would think that he would... Uh, I don't know. The problem with the film is that it's not a kid's film because there's, like, adult things. Like, you see, which is, like, one of the weirdest parts of this film, you see, like, the alien species that is Howard the Duck that he's a part of. You see one of his yep. female counterparts. You see her tits. Like, you see <laughs> duck tits. It's really fucking weird. I mean, have you ever read a Howard the Duck comic? No, I've I'm, I'm not. They're weird as hell. Like, and, and that's why it just blows my mind. Like, this is like that is the first thing they would go to. I don't know. Because if someone, I, I mean, but it is a, what was it? Eighty six? You said? Yeah. I mean, when you look at the other movies that were kind of coming around that time, at least you know in that kind of mindset, it kind of works. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense, but at the same time, it's you're you're giant. You know, comic book company. Like you should have at least something a little more tangible than a alien talking duck. Well, this brings up a larger. This brings up another issue. I would say that a lot of Marvel's characters are more fantastic. They didn't really have the technology to con to produce a convincing adaptation of their characters. Like, take Spider Man for instance. In the eighties. It was really hard to make a convincing Spider-Man. You know what I'm saying? And Iron Man. And, like, Hulk. The Hulk was really easy because all it was a normal dude was transformed into a monster. And 
So, I mean, they just got a body double, Lou Ferrigno, who was gigantic, and they painted him green. That's that's pretty easy to con- convey, but, like, True. Thor, Daredevil, X-Men, that's kind of, their grasp did not catch up to their reach. You know what I'm saying? So, I Fair. think with Howard the Duck, they basically took a little person, put him in a duck costume, and put him in, like... And just ran with it. Yeah, it just ran with it. It's like, you kind of understood, like, it was a lot easier to produce. So I think they were like, this might work. So let's go for it. I mean, why not? <laughs> okay, so next on the list is, in my opinion, the pinnacle of this age, the Silver Age. Three years later, Batman 1989. The iconic version directed by Tim Burton. You know, Michael Keaton. You know, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this... This was the pinnacle of the age, and this stepped up the game, because DC, they they made, after Superman 2, they made a few forgettable, we're not going to talk about, version Superman 3, 4, 5, and they're really bad. Like, they're not good at all. And so this was like, like, they were like, okay, well, we need to do something. So they so they did Batman 1989, and got a young Tim Burton to do it, and it was a huge success. Huge success. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was just very well done because you had Jack Nicholson that pulled off an amazing Joker. Yes. Michael King did very well as Batman. Now, granted, it is cheesy, but because of the time, that's just how the acting yes. styling was. Yes. But overall, it was very well done. And it was very, you know, and it kept true to the comics and like how the characters were supposed to be and yes. act and so on and so forth. Yeah, because in people's mind at that time, Batman was still that campy 1960s version. And this was like, no, Batman is a serious character. And he needs to be taken seriously. Exactly. And, I mean, I I like it. It's not my favorite Batman, considering the Batmen that have come since. It it really was the best for its time. Like, you, like it really is the pinnacle of this time, because the first example since 1978 with Superman that a superhero film was successful, but unlike Superman, people realized, oh... These movies can be fun and serious and be taken seriously and like all at one time. They're not like, you know, we can have fun with it, but we can also make it good. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. They're, they were able to put the time and effort needed yeah. to kind of like balance that out, have it have the serious moments as well as still keep it relatively yeah. campy without it being over campy. Without, without getting ahead of ourselves here. How does Michael Keaton rank rank on your Batman scale? Is he in your top five, top three? What, where, where's where's he where's he at in your mind? I don't know because I mean he did very well with it. It's just yes. you know trying to like keep in mind the acting style and everything of like each era of movie. I mean George Clooney did pretty good for you know what he had to deal with. Oh, I couldn't disagree more. But we're getting to that. Oh yeah, but um, no. I mean, Michael. I mean, Michael Keaton is definitely top five at least. Yeah, I would say he's top three in my opinion. But my number one, which oh, it's not on this list. My number one is Kevin Conroy, the voice of you know the animated Batman that most people oh, are familiar with. Oh yeah, I mean, if we're we're including animated, then yeah, Kevin Conroy is definitely top, definitely top of the list. If yeah. not, he's number two. 
I didn't include. Do you remember Mask of the Phantasm? I didn't include it on this list, but you know. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, that was one of the first movies, like first like you know Batman movies I ever saw, and it was on like Disney Channel or something, like way yeah, back. Yeah, uh, I didn't include it on this list because it's animated. I was trying to stick to live action. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Conroy is Batman for me. Like he will always be Batman for me. Like I, I don't care. Like the Joker's a little bit more complicated because you have a conversation between Heath Ledger and Mark Hamill. That's a that's a debate between you know that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting debate. But there is only one Batman in my mind, and it is Kevin Conroy. And everybody else is just playing for second. Okay. Moving on. This I didn't really think about this when I first thought about this list, but doing research, I totally makes sense. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that came out in 1990 is totally based off a comic book, and yeah, so that counts as a superhero film. Oh yeah, and it was amazing. Yeah, dude. Like, oh it was god, extremely well done. That is like, I look. I know that technology has progressed, and they have better looking like they. I'm, all I'm trying to say is, even though that the you can tell these are like men in rubber suits with animatronic turtle faces, yeah, I love I love this movie so much. It is so good to me. Like it is, I think it's a classic. I know it's we're both '90s babies and we're both millennials, and this movie came out when we were very young. Hell, the same year we were born, so we watched it probably when we were small children. But it's yep. so good. Like it's so good. Like it's I mean, so good. Oh yeah, I mean personally, this the, that version the '90s is way better than the ones that we have now. Oh yeah, abso- absolutely, absolutely, way better. Because uh, it stuck, it yeah. stuck to what it was supposed to be. Yes, you know, I didn't like try to over beef the yes. turtles or you know try and make them so different. You know, yeah. it, it just stuck to the bare basics and made and just literally took it from the comic and just threw it onto the screen and it. Worked. Now, in the original comic, the turtles did kill people, but this is a kids' film. You can't have that. But like, like you like every turtle. You understand every turtle. You like Splinter. You fear the Shredder. You kind of are attracted to April O'Neil in a certain way. As a small kid, you're like, "What's going on here?" And then Casey <laughs> Jones is in it, and he's and Elias Cotius as Casey Jones is good, and it shows this gritty, dark New York City at the time, and it's. It's so it's so cinematic and it's so well done. I love this film so much. Okay, uh, next up is The Rocketeer, which is also apparently getting a remake soon. Did you ever see The Rocketeer? I don't believe so. Is that the one with the leather jacket and the like? He's got a gold uh, helmet uh, and he's got a jetpack. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've never seen bits and pieces of it. I can't remember if I've seen like the whole thing. Like yeah, okay. Before. So it's it came out in '91. I don't think I don't know if it's based off a comic exactly that we're familiar with, but it's probably based off like some comic out of the '30s, '40s, or '50s. But it's very fun. It's a very fun film. It's a lot like Captain America: First Avenger. It's like throwback kind of style. I mean, it was made in the '90s. It has Billy Campbell, Jennifer Connelly, a very young, very very attractive Jennifer Connelly as his love interest, and Timothy Dalton's the bad guy. And of course, since it's set in the '40s, the main bad guys are Nazis. So it's. Oh, oh. Yeah, and it's really good. I don't. They never made a sequel, which is a shame because they left it open for a sequel, and I really would have loved to see a sequel. But it was. It's really good. I. I think it's a fun movie. Okay, so after that, we can talk about a, a couple of sequels: Batman Returns and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Two. Batman Returns came out in '92, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out in '93. How do you feel about Batman Returns? Do you think the 
the two villains, you, do you think it was just getting a little off the rails or what? I mean, they, it was kind of balanced, but then it, at times it just felt like it was a runaway train. Like, it was just hard to keep up with. Yeah. Trying to figure out, like, you know, what was going from where. And, you know, and the style of it was very gritty. Like, very, very, like, very top or uh, yeah. Tim Burton. So that was kind of hard to grasp onto as well. I mean, it was still, it was still like, a pretty solid movie. It was just, I think Tim Burton went a little too much on this one. Yeah, because like the first Batman movie was great, you know, a little bit of gritty, a little bit of serious, a little bit of campy, and it all worked. Yeah. Well, this one kind of like took everything and just cranked it up a little more. Well, that's kind of what a sequel is meant to do. It's kind of it's meant to raise the stakes. I like Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. She looks very good. Oh yeah. I like Michael Keaton as Batman still. Why am I blinking on his name? Penguin. Um, Danny, Danny DeVito. I'm sorry, Danny DeVito. Yeah. I like Danny DeVito as the Penguin, even though he's kind of like I really don't understand. Like, what's going on with him? Like, where he comes from and all that shit, but whatever. And you have Christopher Walken as one of the other bad guys who's not, a, like, a villain. One of his classic villains out of his rogues gallery, but he's in it. It's all right. Yep. It's definitely not as good as the first one, which, I no. mean, you can say that about a lot of sequels. True. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, you know, Secret of the Ooze, which I like a lot, but I don't like it because it's good. I like it purely for nostalgia reasons. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I honestly can't remember if I've actually seen the second one. Okay, so it's the one where we won't talk about number three because that's also forgettable. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two involved like they them discovering about the ooze that created them. Shredder comes back from the dead. He gets the ooze and creates two monsters, and they have to fight him. And the low point was when Vanilla Ice shows up and starts singing turtle rap where he's like go ninja go ninja go go ninja oh, yeah. go ninja, go yeah that 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 was kind of that was really bad so <laughs> uh, it's all right it's not like i said i don't like it because it's good i like it for nostalgia reasons so yeah okay next up is the crow did you ever see the crow i've never seen the crow i've never seen the crow it's, it's always like kind of piqued my interest but yeah. then every time i look at it to watch it it kind of like pushes me away so i you know, I hear I hear good things about it, but you know, with how old it is, I don't know if I could get into it now. But the track, it, I mean, it's yeah. not hard to watch the list on Netflix. I just need to buck up one day and watch it. Yeah, me too. It's on my list. The main thing the crow is known for is the fact that the star Brandon Lee, son of Bruce Lee, who died tragically from a heart condition, Brandon Lee was shot in the middle of this film, like on set. Like, okay, so what happened was there's a scene that involves a gun where he gets shot and normally obviously in a hollywood film you use blanks but for whatever reason i don't know if they ever figured out why but this gun that was fired actually had bullets in it and he was shot and he died and that's how brandon lee died and it's that's really tragic and really scary to think about i've never seen it it never really got i was like that just doesn't seem like something i'd be interested in yeah exactly i mean it looks like a nice dark gritty emo kind of movie goth whatever because I know it's like you know one of the pinnacle points of that era yeah. was that movie and that's what kind of helped spur that mo- that movement yeah. that way but mm-hmm. as far as the movie it just never piqued my interest like I never was like yes I want to watch this movie yeah it's it's kind of like a just a random entry they've made a couple of sequels to it that are like straight to DVD or straight to VHS or TV movies but 
for years they've talked about rebooting the franchise and you know bringing it to the modern era but it just never it's never developed yeah next up is the shadow with alec baldwin we don't have to talk much about this what do you did you ever see it what's it called the shadow no never okay. heard of it so the shadow was okay so he's based off a character from the 30s who was like one of these first like superheroes quote-unquote superhero crime detective guys it's really bad it's not a good film I just thought I'd mention it because I just wanted to point out that while in this age Hollywood was giving superhero movies a, like a legitimate shot, producing some with regular consistency, they they this yeah. was a dud. Like this was not a good film. It's really really over the top and kind of like what what am I watching here? Okay. Um, <laughs> now this a lot of people might not think of this as a superhero film, but technically it's based off a comic book, The Mask, with Jim Carrey. Oh yeah. Did you, I, I mean, that's a class, it's fucking hilarious. It was hilarious. It was very well done. And, I mean, and I know we're already jumping the gun on this, but Jim Carrey should have been a Joker. Just, I'm just putting that out there. <sighs> yeah, he probably could, he probably would have been a fantastic Joker. Yeah, so, okay, so we'll, we'll cover, we'll cover that when we get to that. Okay, yeah. But uh, no, the mask was really well done. And again, it was like super campy. And kind of raunchy, but it was really just well done. The, the animation on it was really good. The yeah. uh, humor was on point, and Jim Carrey just just nailed it. Yeah, it's he's so good in it. Like, but it, it's not really a traditional comic book film. It's more of just like a it's more of just like a, a kooky high concept comedy. But it's so it's really funny, and honestly. It introduced the world to Cameron Diaz, and I really think it's the best thing she's ever done. Seriously. Maybe. There's something about Mary is up there, but yeah, so. Yeah, she hasn't really done much else. She's done a whole bunch of things. Charlie's Angels. She's been in a bunch of random shit uh, other than that, but like, she's not very talented. She's just kind of pretty. I, I really don't think she's a good actress at all, so. Yeah. Okay, so next up is a sequel to Batman Returns. Batman Forever, which came out in 95. I liked this movie at the time because I was five years old, but looking back, it's kind of dumb. Yeah, like, the Batman Forever was just... I mean, okay, so you, you, need, to ref, you need to refresh my mind. Which one was this one? Okay, like, what this was, is, this who is was the villain? Okay, this is the one that had Two-Face, Tommy Lee Jones. We had Jim Carrey as the Riddler. We had the introduction of Robin, you know, Chris O'Donnell. Okay. But it was directed by... So Tim Burton didn't return because Tim Burton... I think at the time was trying to do a, a, a Superman film that never came through and whatever. Yep. But so he didn't return, but Joel Schumacher came in and neither did Michael Keaton. Val Kilmer took his place and Nicole yep. Kidman. This was like one of her breakout roles. You have to understand like anyone listening who may not be familiar with superhero films like you or I, it's not that this movie wanted to be bad. It's the fact that the studio's, wanted this film to be this way because this is what was expected of superhero films. Like, nobody was like, why isn't this film, like, trying to be deep or, like, trying to send a message or trying to be, you know, something original? No, this movie was specifically designed to be light entertainment and to sell a bunch of toys. That's literally this entire film's point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what, I mean in, in the 90s, like, you know, all the toys were the big deal. Like, yeah. we didn't have... The technology that we have now, I wasn't trying to push an app or something. It was like an actual, like, handheld toy. Yeah, and like... So, yeah. and, and with everything that was going on in that movie, it made selling the toys that much easier because there was so much that they could do with the toy. It, 
like, if it's on, like, if I was just, like, watching TV and I saw that it was on, I would watch it because I remember watching it as a kid and liking it, but I understand that it's not, it's not good. It's just kind of entertaining because I grew up and liked it as a kid, but it's not really good. And, okay, so next up, I don't know if you saw this film either, but did you ever see The the Phantom, you know, the guy in, the like, the purple bodysuit with the domino mask and it was, it was Billy Zane? Oh, no. Okay, so... Never saw it. Okay, okay. So, The Phantom, which, similar to The Shadow, was a character from the 30s, and they brought him back, and it's it's not bad. It's just not very good. And it's entertaining, but it's also really stupid. But it's like, but it, like I said, like, like with Batman Forever, it was designed to be this way. Like, it wasn't meant to be... Uh, it wasn't meant to change the game. It was just meant to be like, okay, kids will pay to see this and drag their parents along and shit like that. So yeah, okay. The next, the next. Well, uh, before we leave Batman, the Jim Carrey Riddler discussion. Oh, I'm sorry, we skipped over that. Yeah, I mean, his Riddler was all right. I don't know, like but, it was kind of just a little over the top for me. See, my thing is like the more I see that, and every time I watch it, all I keep thinking is Joker. Like that, he has a very Joker, yes. like style yeah. and acting, and the way he's over the top, but still kind of like really twisted, and yeah. with the jokes and everything, like that is like that is Joker. Like if you took out all the riddles and made put him into a Joker costume, and he would have, he would have yeah. nailed it. He would have, he would have killed. And then when you think about the Joker, he's slim. You know, slender has a sharp features yeah. and the sharp ball and everything, which is Jim Carrey. Uh, I feel yeah. like it was a wasted role because yeah. I mean, great what it, if. it was it, a, a huge what if because again, like the Riddler was pretty okay, and they and but you know, for you know, comic book standpoint, for anyone who doesn't really know the personality types, the Riddler is supposed to be calm, collected, yeah. you know. Super, super smart, and that's where all the riddles comes in. You know, yeah. mess with the uh, other people, but he has like a temper, yes. and if things don't go his way, then he snaps and gets not manic, but very just like disturbed. Yeah, disturbed and aggressive. Yeah, wow. he's, he's not a lunatic. He he's very cal- he's okay. Here's the word for it. He's very calculating. He's not. Very. He's not an anarchist, chaotic clown. He is a mastermind like he's not meant to be manic he's meant to be a devious calculating criminal exactly and then and that's why you know every time i see that movie that's okay i'm getting more joker vibes than i am anything else the producers and creators of the film probably were like okay so joker died in the original batman and this is kind of a sequel sort of so it'd be really weird to bring back the Joker inexplicably. So let's just make the Riddler kind of Jokerish. So because yeah, because the Joker did so well with the first one, they were probably like, let's try and keep that character, but just make yeah. it a different character. Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. Next up, speaking of Batman, is the low point of this age, in my opinion, is yeah, agreed. Batman and Robin. Okay. <laughs> As a kid, I remember liking this film a lot, but we were both seven years old, so we didn't know yeah. any better. <laughs> it kind of covers what you were just saying about the other one. Like, it was just made to be not great and just sell toys. Yeah, sell toys. <sighs> you you said earlier, well, let's start with Batman himself. You said earlier that George Clooney did all right. I think George Clooney 
was not a good Batman and certainly not a good Bruce Wayne. But it's not, I don't blame George Clooney because George Clooney can actually act. I'm saying that he wasn't given much to work with here, so I, exactly. I don't blame him. It's just the fact that... He didn't have much to work with. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts of Batman and Robin is Robin's outfit because it's ob- It's basically, you know, it's the black with, like, the red bird across his chest. It's basically a red mm. Nightwing outfit. And I was like... Exactly. Oh, if they... Dude, what if in, like, the sequel to Batman and Robin, they made... Nightwing. Oh, I was like, oh, yes, please, please... It never happened, but I love Robin's outfit. That's probably my favorite part of this film. True, but he also did a pretty good job as Robin, though. Like, yeah, if they would have given like again, it keeps coming back to you know the script and the actual movie. Yeah, but if they would have like put in a better effort, like if they would have taken George Clooney and that kid and brought it to today's style of yeah. movies and you know producing, yeah, it would have been amazing. Like he would have been a phenomenal. Yeah, rock. like if you think about George Clooney, who George Clooney is, he's actually the perfect person to play Batman. He is. George Clooney is perceived as, especially in the 90s, as a handsome playboy. And that's Bruce Wayne. George Clooney is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Like, again, like the typecasting was good and all. It was just the execution on the actual yeah. script and film was just meh. It was bad. And let's... Ugh, bat nipples. Just yep. I, I knew either one of us was going to say it. I was just waiting to see when the timing was. Bat nipples. Just... The damn bat nipples. Bat nipples. So let's talk about the villains. It really is like... The fucking puns, like Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. What kills the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. It's like, oh god. <laughs> it's it's funny when you're seven years old, but when you're an adult, you're like, this is hard to watch. This is so bad. <laughs> I mean, kudos to the writers for finding so many puns. I mean. Yeah, it's like, how much pile of shit can you pile up? It's like, damn, you piled up a whole bunch of shit. That's actually kind of impressive. I mean, that, that's probably the one thing I respect about that movie is, like, how cheesy the jokes were and how... Yeah. And how, oh. and how they never stopped from beginning to end. Yeah. How many cheesy jokes they were able to throw they into were, that movie is astonishing. They were very committed to, like, making a train wreck. It's okay. So, it's not good at all. But no. it's it is one of those rare bad films I think that is so bad it's good. Like I would wa- I'll watch it because it's so bad. It's like it's like eh I got like an hour to kill. I can watch this film for a little bit. It's it's just it's just so bad. <laughs> it's bad enough that it's watchable. Yeah, and so Poison Ivy, how do you feel about Uma Thurman? Uh, hit or miss. Like, I wasn't a fan of her... Like, I'm not a fan of Kill Bill. What? Um, yeah, it's it's one, it's one of the few Tarantino movies that I'm just, I just can't do. That's a conversation... That is a whole separate episode right there, because oh, I yeah. need to, we need to talk about that one day. But, um, yeah, I mean, but I loved her in Pulp Fiction, obviously. Yes. Um, and, and again, like, every so often she does a really good job with it, and then other times I just... Not a fan. I don't know. It's something about her. Like, if you put her in the right kind of movie, she's good. But yeah. if you don't, and she's, like, like as Poison Ivy, not a fan. That's a pretty terrible character. She's, she's, I don't get, the movie's just bad. Okay, let's, but, like, and then there's Bane, which you were like, they turned one of Batman's best villains into, like, a gorilla. It's like, 
He's a lot smarter than just Yeah, he's a lot more devious. <laughs> he's not a lackey. He's not a hired... He actually is a cool character. It's just... Uh, it could have been better. Could have been. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, so the last two films I wanted to talk about. One we don't have to spend a lot of time on, but it did, it did come out, so I thought we should talk about it. And the last one I do want to talk about. So the first one is Steel. Did you ever see Steel with Shaquille O'Neal? No. Yeah. I was like, wait, maybe. It sounds very familiar. Yeah, obviously he's based off the Steel character from Superman and all that stuff, but it's... Wait, actually, I think I have seen... I think I might have seen it on TV back in the day, on like Nickelodeon or yeah, some uh, Disney or something. I, I feel like I've seen this movie before. Yeah, okay, so it's really bad. I don't even remember most of it. It's not good. It's really bad. And if... All I wanted, the point I wanted to make about Steel was if Batman and Robin hadn't come out the same year, because Steel came out in 97, Batman and Robin came out in 97, you would probably okay. say that Steel is the worst superhero film of this era. It's oh, wow. Re- it's really bad. It's really dumb. Shaquille O'Neal is not a good actor. Great basketball player, not a great actor. But he did graduate but he still from... still had so many movies. Yeah. He did graduate from Lil Shoe, so he is, he is a fellow alum, so I have to love him regardless. Sure. Okay, and the last one I want to talk about is a film that I don't think gets enough love, Spawn. Oh, yeah. Spawn came out in 97. Spawn is a really cool character. I love Spawn. I haven't read as much as I want to about him, but, like, I love Spawn. Spawn, a little history on Spawn, he was created in the 90s, so he's not one of the old Batman or Superman, or in the 60s from, or from the 60s, like, Spider-Man or, you know, Iron Man or whatever he's he's a very modern superhero he was created in the 90s by todd mcfarlane and i loved i loved this movie i think it's a really cool movie like it's not it's not great i'm not gonna say it's like the greatest superhero movie of all time but i don't think it gets the love it deserves and actually what i loved about spawn was its uniqueness It, it did its own thing and it it did it with style exactly like it took because spawn is a dark character very dark extremely dark, brutal, violent character. Yes. And they didn't shy away from that to try and, you no. know, pitch a movie to a mass audience. Yeah, it's, it's the same not... thing with Spawn yeah. that they did with Deadpool. They're like, okay, we can either lighten it up and make it appeal to everyone to make it PG-13 or whatever. Or, or the kids and sell toys. Exactly. Or we can stick to the character and produce it for those who, who like it. Yeah. And... That's what they did, and it was really well done. And some people look at it it's like, eh, it's not that great. But when you compare it side by side to what you know the comic and all is, it's pretty damn good. Like it would stack up with the Avengers movies of today. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would love to see them, dude. If we could get a modern day Spawn, oh, oh th- that would be. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it's in the works with the uh, success that Deadpool had. Yeah, I really think well, we're getting we're getting to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I love Spawn. Like, you have to think about like if you recall, Spawn, he was sent to hell. He becomes like this warrior of the devil, and then he becomes he becomes a good guy. And he looks like Spawn's design and Spawn's powers are so cool. And then you have John Leguizamo as the clown. And he turns into the giant monster that Spawn fights, which is so cool. It's such a cool movie. Like, what? What? It was, a, it was, it was before its time. It was before its time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if they would have saved that for now, yeah. or if they hopefully do, or hopefully they'll remake it or redo it yeah. in the modern era, because 
honestly, I would love to see Michael J. White yes. as Spawn. Some, oh, dude, he would be, he would be such Could a Could you Spawn. imagine? That would be perfect. And it's like, the good thing about Spawn, I mean, Michael J. White, I believe, he's in his, probably his late 40s at this point. But the good thing about Spawn is, you don't need to do his, you could try and do his origin story if you wanted, but the thing is, Spawn, he, you don't see his face. And he, when you see his face, he's burnt. So Michael J. White could still play the character because he'd be under makeup and prosthetics and all that shit. So he would still... He was so good in that role. Exactly. It's, it, it, uh, I just really hope that's in the works now because of uh, Deadpool and everything. Right. I really hope. All right, so the next period, or the next age, is New Age after Spawn. Yep. We're introduced to sort of a Marvel new age where we where we introduce these characters not obviously produced by marvel produced by other studios like fox and you know sony and whatever but it's it's a new age because it 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 reinvigorates the genre okay exactly okay so first when they started like it's kind of like when they started parting out their rights to yes different studios who could fund it better and you know produce better works okay yeah so basically what happened just as an aside a history aside for people who may not know this, the reason why Marvel, well, not gave out, but sold off the movie rights to the uh-huh. characters was because in the early 90s, after comic book, after the comic book industry bust and crash, Marvel was very strapped for cash. It, it, it was damn near bankrupt. And so what they did to get some capital, you know, get some money, was uh, sell off the rights to their characters and... You know that got them some more money, and that's why they're still they they still exist today. Is because they had to make some you know unfortunate business decisions, and that included selling off some of their most prized characters so that they could you know keep the lights on. Uh, yeah. So the first film I want to talk about is Blade that came out in 1998, an, a very overlooked movie because it it really was the first since like. It was like one of the one of the better superhero films, but it never gets talked about. Sure, I mean, it, it kind of gets overlooked because he wasn't like that big of a comic character. Yeah, I mean, he had a ton of like micro following and all, but you know, when you hear Blade, you only think of the vampire movies. No one really thinks that it was originally a comic first. Yeah, the same thing with Spawn. Like, you know, Spawn had a very small following, but. The first thing that people think of when they think of Spawn is the movie, as like a general populace. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good film. Uh, Wesley Snipes. I mean, this was like the time period where Wesley Snipes was actually a big deal, and he wasn't known for his outside of the his personal problems, like his financial problems. But it was really, really good. I mean, I I doubt that anyone who who hasn't seen it and would see it, they'd be like, "This is stupid." It's actually pretty interesting. It's yeah. It, it, the problem with the film is it's not a Spider-Man or an X-Men or a Captain America or somebody people some, some a character that everybody knows. So it didn't it didn't catch on. Even though they did make two sequels that we will talk about later. Yeah, but even then, like it, it was still a really well done movie, and it kind of piggybacked off of Spawn. Yeah, because Spawn did rather well, if memory serves correctly. Uh, so it did it did all right, but it didn't do enough to warrant a sequel. Okay. Well, it, I mean, it did well. It kind of followed in the footsteps of, yes, you know, dark, gritty character. We're going to make it R, and we're going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the reason why it did better than Spawn is just because it was more, 
it was less fantasy. Yeah, it was it was a lot more grounded, and I mean, people are more familiar with vampires than like you know a lot of like what Spawn was doing. So anyway, okay, so the next one is arguably arguably one of the most important superhero films of all time and that is the original X-Men it if it wasn't for this film and Brian Singer like you know taking X-Men and making it like Fox and Brian Singer making it like a legit franchise i doubt that we would have the success that we have now because i mean there it's been it was ridiculous that it took till 2000 for an X-Men film to come out you know what i'm saying Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a good start, and it just kind of, like, fell apart later. Yeah, well, well but anyway, X-Men, it's really anyway. good. I mean, you got Sir Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen, Hugh Jackman, an undisco- like an unknown Hugh Jackman. You have Holly Berry. You have all these, like, great actors, and they kind of, like, just took it on a leap of faith that this film would work, and it, and it works. It's really well done. I remember seeing it as a kid and loving it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was definitely what, you know, like you said, reinvigorated the comic book, you know, movie industry. Yeah, because, I mean, we had, like, the cartoons and all, which were really big in the 90s. Because you had the Batman animated series, you had the X-Men animated series, you had the Turtles, like, you had all of these different animated series that were doing very well. Yeah, and... And then... But then with the live-action movie, it kind of brought all of that fantasy to life. Yeah. And kind of reinvigorated everyone's interest in it. Because before, it was just, you know, cartoon, like cartoons, and these are kids' yeah. stuff, and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's a shame. My one regret is the fact that, I mean, I guess it was a necessary evil. Because if, if the characters have been wearing their, like, 90s costumes like the bright colors because in x-men they, they pretty much wear all black and it would have been nice if they could have worn their traditional looking costumes but i understand why brian singer went with that because that would have made it look a lot sillier and people probably wouldn't have taken it as serious but yep. it would have been nice it would have been nice it would have been nice like if, the, if those movies would have been done after like all the success and everything that marvel has had yes they probably would have done some kind of throwback, you know, yeah. like, you know, Gambit digging through Wolverine's bag and pulling out the yellow and blue, like, what yeah. the hell is it? Yeah. Is that, oh, we don't wear that anymore, don't worry about it. I would say this franchise also, is there a more famous actor who's more known for his superhero role than Hugh Jackman? I mean, maybe Downey, like Robert Downey Jr., but you think about it, Wolverine. the next Wolverine comes out next year, Hugh Jackman's been playing this character for, by that time, 17 years. Can you believe that? Jeez, it has been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. He's he's like, he is the Wolverine. Like, everyone thinks of him as Wolverine now. It's like, that's just crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to find someone to play him in the future. Yeah. Because, of course, they're, they're going to want to continue. Yeah, obviously. It's going to be very hard to find someone to replace him and to try and instill that in everyone's mind. Because, like like you said, I didn't even realize it, but, shit, he has been Wolverine for 17 years. Yeah. Uh, 17 years. That is that is over half my life. Over half our lives. Yes. That is... Whew, that's crazy when you think about it. Okay, so the next film, I don't really know if it's... 
if it qualifies, but I put it on this list because I, I really dug it, was Unbreakable. Did you, did you see Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan? Unbreakable? Yeah, with uh, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. It's not based on any comic book, but it kind of is like homage to comic book characters because he's basically... It's basically like M. Night Shyamalan took an idea of like an extremely extremely realistic superhero and but it's really cool the ending's really good i won't spoil it but it's worth checking out and i think it is it deserves mentioning in this because it actually psychologically and i guess culturally dissects what a superhero is even in like a small scope like that film it's really worth checking out i think you'd dig it i would think you would dig it okay i've been looking forward to this all day the next film we get to discuss is my favorite film of all time, <sighs> Spider-Man. The movie that of came course. out May 3rd, 2002. <sighs> my f- I've seen it well over 100 times since then. It really is my favorite film of all time as a kid. Like, I understand it's not going to win any Academy Awards. It's not that great. But in my heart, it is my favorite film of all time because... I am such a huge Spider-Man fan, and seeing Spider-Man, like, like it was, ugh, it's so good. Okay, you might not have to, you know, take a backseater, because I'm about to go off on this film. Dude, go for it. Okay, so, the reason I love this movie so much, there, well, there's several reasons, but Sam Raimi, he so nailed down Peter Parker and he so nailed down Mary Jane, and he so nailed down the Osbournes, Uncle Ben. Everybody is so accurate and faithful to the source material. He, okay, so, the, oh man, I feel like I'm gonna go on my like <laughs> dissertation on <laughs> Spider-Man here. But in a nutshell, in a nutshell, it sucks to be Peter Parker. That's the point of Spider-Man. It, the irony yep. is he has all these powers and he has this responsibility, but in the end of the day, life sucks for him, but he keeps on doing it anyway because it's his responsibility. He has to do it. And that's what I think is heroic about him. Like, in this movie, he, his best friend's dad, almost a surrogate father figure, but, like, he loses his parents as a kid. He loses his closest father figure, his Uncle Ben, and then his surrogate father figure becomes his arch nemesis. It's just like Peter Parker is a good person and bad shit just keeps happening to him. And he realizes, and I, my favorite, my seriously, my favorite part of the movie is at the end where Mary Jane's like, we could be together. And Peter's like, I, I can't, You're, I put you in danger and I cannot have that. And he takes, and he, he makes a personal sacrifice because he has a responsibility to be Spider-Man. And I just... Love this movie so much. It's so good. I okay. Your turn to talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, oh, pretty much nailed it. I mean, it was it was really well done, and it was it's kind of like that combination of X Men and Spider Man, especially Spider Man Two. I know we're gonna hit that later. Yeah, that's coming up. But you know, everyone always remembers that Spider Man and Spider Man Two. At the time, yes, the best movie with sequel couple, like the first ever like sequel, yes, to do better than the first. But I, I, I see. I can't say that because I'm extremely biased. But yeah, I, I'm glad someone else agrees. Oh no, absolutely! And 
And that's the thing, like, they did everything right. And this is, this is where things really started to come together. They started figuring out, okay, this is the formula that we need. This is the, we need to stick to the character, make it flashy, but keep it realistic, and just keep the story good. Yeah, and then they kind of lost it on the third one, but yeah. we'll get to that later. Oh God, there's two things I wanted to say. The only the 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 slight change, there's the big change that everybody mentions is the fact that in this universe, in this version of Spider-Man, he doesn't use web shooters. He has he has organic. It comes out of his body, right, out of his wrists, yeah. which I didn't have a problem with because it makes sense. Like I'm not like he has all these other powers of a spider. It's a logical stretch for me. Yeah. It was always kind of far-fetched that not only, one, did Peter Parker create his own costume that's functional, but he also invents yeah. web shooters that no one else has ever invented. I found that that's always been a hard thing to sell with Spider-Man, but it's not a big deal. Anyway, the other yeah. thing, and this is to what you were saying, I honestly feel that for all these films that we're going to talk about, the best ones embrace the source material. Don't try and alter it don't try and like they can make some cosmetic changes but uh, the the better films don't try and like shape the source material to their outlook but shape their outlook to the source material you know what i'm saying exactly and they kind of work with what they have like yes you know look at you know again we're going to cover this later but looking at civil war they didn't have all the character rights that they needed to do you know a comic to film adaptation yes with what they had available, they did phenomenal work with it. The next film is Blade Two, which I know you really like. I kind of like it. I know you're a huge fan of it. But it was it was really good. Like I rewatched it actually a couple weeks ago, and and I like it just because it stuck. It stuck with you know the formula that it had that it presented on the yeah. last one. Yeah, I and would, it stayed yeah. with it. It stayed with you know gritty character. Violence, rated R, don't care about the kids or whoever else wants to watch it. This is a R-rated movie, and that's how it is. Yeah. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. I was like, when I found that out, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's one of those films that I was like, this seems like a natural continuation of the series. I care about these characters. And it's it's just a really good film. Like, But it but like like Blade, the first one, and Spawn, it it kind of gets overlooked because it's not you know it's not the tradition. It's not one of the conventional traditional superheroes. Exactly because Spawn. I'm trying to think what is who is Spawn under? Uh, Dark Horse. I was about to say because I think it's, I think Blade Blade is Marvel. Yeah, Blade is definitely Marvel. Okay, but I mean like like Spawn is Dark Horse, which ninety percent of the people who you ask about won't know what Dark Horse is. Yeah, and Dark Horse yeah. is also the same company that does Hellboy. Yeah, we're going to talk about Hellboy. Yeah, but anyway, so go ahead. Now we're moving on to the the area the era I call the Middle Age, which I think is it's really funny how these ages seem to reflect each other. Like the Middle Age is a lot like that previous age of the '90s, the the Silver Age I talked to you about. Where it's it's classified by a bunch of hits and misses. Like you have some really good ones, and then you have some like really bad ones. Yeah. For instance, right off the bat, this is this is a bad one in my book. Is Daredevil that came out in 03. I even as a kid, I mean, it, I was thirteen when I saw it, and I still was like, this is kind of dumb. Like I don't really I don't really get this. I mean, I 
I personally liked it. I mean, oh, okay. gr- granted, it could have been it could have been better. Yes, you know, and we're going to hit a lot of those with these uh, movies we're about to cover. Yeah, I did like Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. He was really good. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say that they they kind of strayed away from because you, you, you know you always have people you know that are saying that Hollywood is whitewashing and so and so and so forth, but they also forget. You know, like people who said, you know, it's nice to finally see a black actor for Black Panther in a comic book movie, but then we had Spawn and Blade. Yes. Years. Yeah. Decades before Black Panther was even considered. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, we're whitewashing movies, but we had Michael Clark Duncan played Kingpin, who's a big white dude. Yeah. So, there's just some, you know, Examples. Now, granted, they're small examples, but so. But whatever. I digress. I thought it was really well done. You know, the concept was cool. Ben Affleck actually did a pretty solid job as Daredevil. The effects were neat. Bullseye was dope. Or the actor they casted in was perfect. Colin Farrell. Yes. I did feel like it got a little too cheesy at times. Yeah. But over overall, I think it was. I think it was kind of underrated as far as uh, movies go. Ah, uh, see, I disagree. I think that it was. It just. I don't know. I gotta. I haven't watched it. God, I don't even remember the last time I've watched it. Probably over a decade. But like, I, I just. It just does nothing for me. But the good news is, the character was not wasted. It was brought back on Netflix, which is a thousand yep. times better than that movie ever was. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, next is okay here's a good example here's x2 x-men 2 we talked about it a little earlier with good sequels and stuff like that and x-men 2 was really good i doubt that i don't think in this franchise this is the i think this is the pinnacle of the x-men franchise like i don't think it's been matched since about the only thing that would probably come close would probably be actually days of future past yeah i, yeah. I think it would be the only thing that would come close yeah. 2X2 yeah. as far as, you know, how well done it was. It, it's it's really good. The characters, I mean, it's the only problem, my only problem with the X-Men series as a whole is while Wolverine is a really cool character, I really feel like they've completely shafted Cyclops. Like, it's like... Oh, yeah. He's so just... Like, they don't focus on him. Like, Cyclops is a really cool character if you've read any of the comics or watched any of the cartoons. It's like... I don't know why y'all don't like Cyclops. I, I know, and that's, and that's the thing. I think they saw the success that they had with Wolverine from the first movie and, like, how much people liked him and wanted to see more of him. That's what they ran with. Okay. So now Wolverine has to be, you know, one of the focal points because... He's the one that started off all the success. Yeah, and no disrespect to James Marsden, who plays Cyclops, but I really think Hugh Jackman is a more attractive, not like, well, yeah, physically, of course he's attractive, but as far as, like, performance-wise, he, he's more captivating. Like, he's a better, I hate to say a better actor, but, like, he's a more attractive, captivating actor. But the guy that plays Cyclops plays, like, the Cyclops character rather well. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest, like from a comic standpoint, for the, for the lines that he's been given, yes, and what he's been able to work with, yeah, 
I feel like if they were to do a Cyclops movie and they had him playing as Cyclops, I would go see that. I would absolutely go see that in a, in a heartbeat. But we'll never get a Cyclops film. Everybody just kind of says fuck off to him. It's kind of... It really is unfair to the character. Yeah, I would like to, but... Because, I mean, they are expanding. I mean, they're doing Black Panther, and they're doing Captain Marvel. Yeah. And they're doing all these other characters, so hopefully, I I hope they could do a Cyclops-centered movie, but time will tell. Yeah. Okay, so this should be a good one for you. The next one is Hulk that came out in 2003. Now, you're a huge Hulk fan. How did you feel about this movie? So, this this is the one with the dogs, right? Yes. Okay. So... Here, here's my thing. I, I've been a huge Hulk fan since high school. And I've collected... Oh, shit. I don't even know how many comics. Like, I, I have a roll of comics dedicated to just the Hulk as long as my arm. Okay. So, I know the character deeper than, you know, the average person. Yes. The thing I like about this movie that it kind of showed that interpersonal kind of struggle... Mm-hmm. with the Hulk and Banner. Mm-hmm. And it also, like, kind of shows, like, the matter I get, the stronger I get. Yes. Okay, and it does very well with that. And it was very, you know, emotional-driven. Yes. And that's why I was a huge fan of that, of the way they went with that. Now, granted, you know, the dad being the bad guy was yeah. kind of all for me. That was kind of, that was a bit of a yeah, if I could just um, interject, that was probably it didn't have a proper bad guy. Like I felt like it was it it needed I, I just thought especially the final battle, you can hardly see what's going on and it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you kinda just go with it. But yeah, I, I would say the dad being the bad guy, Nick Nolte, it, it wasn't that was probably the worst part of the film. Yeah, I mean but like but with the military and all, like those scenes oh, yeah. were probably some of the best ones. Yeah, and, and Eric Bana as Bruce Banner, I thought he was really good. I thought the cast, except for Nick Nolte, Thunderbolt Ross, played by Sam Elliott, Jennifer Connelly really as good. Betty, and Eric Bana as Bruce Banner, like they're all they're all pretty good. I really I thought it was I thought they were fine. Yeah, that's the thing, like they, they had a good like casting wise. I just I wish they could do the original, you know, origin story of the Hulk, that it was like some kind of bomb instead of a, a lab accident. Yeah. But of course, you know, with today's age, you know, we're trying to stay away from making bombs and blah, 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 whatever, whatever. But it, it, it was good. Like, it was definitely good. And if they had a better villain, it probably would have done much better. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, I, I wrote down on the list, it's just very flawed. Like, there's... There, it could have been so much better. We need to make a counter of how many times we said, like, we've gone to a movie and said it had potential and it could have been better. Just like, oh, there's another one, Carl. <laughs> well, when we get to the the modern Marvel films, I think the script will be flipped, saying like it had a lot of potential and it fucking exceeded that potential. Exactly. Um, okay, so did you see League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yes. Did you like it? I think it was entertaining. Eh. It was all right. I, was, I think it was entertaining. Like, you know, it was a stretch. The characters were kind of different. But it's a good fantasy movie, I guess you could say. It, you know, and, yeah. as a, and as a kid, I've always loved that movie. It just, it, it was really cool, but at the same time, it was kind of just dumb. Like, I didn't understand 
half of the plot. Like, I was like, what, what's going on? I don't even really care. Like, what? Uh, whatever. Yeah, and, and again, that, I think it's, again, to me, it's a just a fun fantasy random action movie. Like, that's all it is. Moving on. Okay, this is one that I really like. I think most people like. Hellboy. Hellboy was a really good film. Hellboy was very solid. Like, I was very happy with the way they went with that. Yeah, I mean, I and, had never um, read a Hellboy comic, so I didn't really know much about the character, but I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is, it's an actual, like, Ron Perlman is as Hellboy, Guillermo del Toro directing. It was, it's really good, like, I, I, I'm just like, you can't really, I can't really find anything wrong with it. I, I, like, I've, I've watched it a few times, I'm like, it's just a solid, you know, comic book superhero film. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, they they hit all the points. They had a good villain. Yeah. They had a great actor playing the uh, hero. Yeah, very faithful they to the source to, material. They stepped to the so- source material. They had a solid action. The story was sound. Yeah. A good origin story. Like, everything was done right. Yeah. And it wasn't blow, blow us out of the water. Yeah. But it was it was it's a good watch. And it's a good movie that you can watch at pretty much any time. Like you know what, I haven't seen this in a while, and still thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, and like we were talking about earlier, it wasn't it sold toys, but it didn't. It wasn't marketed to sell toys, at least on the surface level. Like it definitely felt like here's a decent, here's a character, here's a story. We're not trying to like pander to children or stuff like that. Its main point was being a good film, not selling a product. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's why I like it. Okay. Next up is a film that I when I initially saw it, I didn't really like it, but it, it it's it's not as bad as I recall, but it's still I still don't like it that much. The Punisher. Oh, I love The Punisher. Oh, really? I loved the first Punisher movie. Uh, uh. <sighs> okay, all right, the debate time. Debate time. Um, hit the button, it's debate time. <laughs> okay, so I'll concede Thomas Jane was really good as the Punisher. I really liked him as the Punisher. I yep. really liked the setup, him losing his family. I liked a lot of things in the film, but the two, but two biggest complaints, John Travolta okay. was terrible in that movie, and the second part was Rebecca Romaine Stamos at the time. She she's the love interest, but their their quote unquote affection towards each other seemed forced, and it was very distract. Like I thought it was a d- detracting. Like I was like, there's no way these characters would actually be into each other. This is really dumb. It seems really forced. But those are my those are my two biggest complaints with the film. The the love story kind of kind of took like a side seat to me like it didn't really like distract or anything i thought travolta did pretty well as you know the gang leader now some parts of it were kind of cheesy and it felt a little you know his acting felt a little forced it, it was it was he was a little over the top is all i'm saying he's I yeah just, he didn't play a convincing bad guy he's he can play john travolta can play a convincing bad guy take face off take broken arrow take pelham yeah, one two three taking a pelham one two three yeah that, he was phenomenal in that movie he reminded me of a jack nicholson from batman like like he was trying to be over the top you know he was just trying to be like i'm evil and i need to prove it and i'm like oh god why are you why don't you just take a chill pill dude are we sure we're talking about the same movie? Because I don't remember John Travolta like trying to sell it that hard. Uh, it felt, 
It felt like it to me. When was the last time you seen it? I've probably seen it more than five times in my life since it came out in, I think it came out 05. Yeah, it should still be on Netflix. So I, I, I suggest rewatching it now. Just sit down rewatch it. If you still feel the same, then I, I apologize. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll do some homework. Okay, and now we're going to talk about arguably the worst film, worst superhero film of all time, Catwoman. Did you ever see Catwoman? No, I never bothered. Never bothered with it because it, it looked bad from the get-go, and I just did not want to bother myself with it. I mean, Granted, Halle Berry as Catwoman yes. was a good pull. Yes. It was a good pull and also another one in the bank for the whitewashing of Hollywood, but... I know I'm probably going to get some hate over that, so I apologize now. You're not, not going to... I don't think we, we have enough listeners for you to get hate, but... <laughs> Dude, um, you, hey, you never know. We, we This might be dug up later, and then it might come back for us, but just yeah, as a fair is, warning, I apologize. I mean no offense to anyone. This is just me pointing out a couple issues. That's it. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, if, you ever, if you ever run for politics, I think people are going to unearth this. Right. I, I, didn't, watch, I didn't watch Catwoman... Because I knew I was like that looks really really dumb. I'm not gonna waste two hours of my life. But I mean, it was that one, and then Electra, I believe, is is probably next. No, actually, there's one in between Catwoman and Electra, Blade Trinity, the third one. Okay, so so we had two bad movies sandwiching a good one. In oh my God, I would not call Blade Trinity a good one. That movie was really bad. Comparatively. Okay, yeah, it's not Catwoman or Electra bad, but it's it's not good. Ugh, what a what a terrible fucking movie. Okay, it's it's been a while since I've seen Blade Tril- trilogy, so don't hold it to me too hard. Yeah. But it had Ryan Reynolds, it had Jessica Biel. It was about Dracula. It was it was really dumb. It was just bad. See, just saying, Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Alba both in the same movie with uh, with Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 at that point, you're just pulling for a bad review. Not um, saying that Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Alba are bad actors and actress. I'm not saying that by any shot of the imagination. Yeah. But usually, when you're pulling two type characters like that, yeah. in with Wesley Snipes, like a serious actor, you're you're kind of begging, like, hey, I need a bad review. Again, my memory is very faded on that movie because I haven't seen it in mm-hmm. God knows how long. All I know is that Electra and Catwoman looked awful, and I didn't even bother to see it. Well, Electra's the next entry. I did see Electra, awful. I don't recommend it at all. No redeeming qualities whatsoever. Just pretend like it never happened. Yeah, agreed. Like we we could just say Catwoman was bad, Trinity was bad, Electra was bad, Trinity was the best out of the three, and we can move on. Yes. Okay. And now we're going to get to some a couple of good ones. Like I said, there are hits and misses in this this time frame. Constantine. I loved Constantine. Agreed. I'm really... I always wanted a sequel. I guess it didn't do well enough. I like... It's actually one of the few films I was like, wow, Keanu Reeves actually was pretty good in that film. Rachel Weisz was good. Tilda Swinton was really good. The, the scene at the end where the devil shows up, like Lucifer shows up, I... I fucking love that scene so much. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. That is literally the best part of that entire movie. He did such a good job as playing the devil. But even, you know, despite the fact that Shia LaBeouf was in this film, this was before Shia LaBeouf was an annoying twat. Yeah. It, 
it was so good. Like, I was like, why did we never get a sequel to this movie? It was so good. I, I mean, it was very solid. Like, again, I've never read Constantine, so I can't give too many um, opinions on it as as far as source material and so on and so forth. But just from what I know about the character, yeah, it was pretty badass. Like, again, story sound, you know, like I was saying previous with a great villain, yeah, great cast, yeah, storyline was solid. The action was awesome, yeah. And I mean, I think the only way it could have been better, yeah, is if they made it like rated R and went darker with it. I totally agree. It's such a shame. But and I heard and I heard the TV show was kind of a flop. Yeah, what a bummer. He's a. It's eh, what you gonna do? Okay, so th- we're coming to another. This is another another entry. I'm sorry. That is monumental because it did shape modern superhero films, and that is Batman Begins, which came out in '05. Yep. Like you can't say enough about how significant this film is because Chris Nolan, who is a genius. People thought the Batman franchise was dead, especially after Batman and Robin. But he literally was like, no, we can rebuild it. (laughs) We have the technology. We can make it harder, better, faster, stronger. And knocks it out the park like like, it's such a good movie. Uh, It was amazing. Like, it really brought the Batman series back to life. In a way we didn't even think was possible. Yeah, and he really did pioneer this attitude that let's try and make this realistic like how would a billionaire go about this like what would he do how would he get how would he collect the resources how would he implement this how would he go about this and it's really well done like from top to bottom like you said it kind of brought in that realistic yeah feel to movies yeah and it kind of grounded it into yeah you know if we're being reasonable like if this were to happen in the real world how would this happen yeah exactly and and it set a tone that i would say modern dc films are trying to imitate but that's that's for later on yeah we could we could have a whole episode on just the nolan dark knight trilogy i mean we'll talk about dark knight and dark knight rises coming up so i guess we'll just move on fantastic four eh i liked it I liked Michael Chipless as the thing, and I loved Chris Evans as as the Human Torch. Other than that, I didn't like much else about these films, especially especially this one. I, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was really well done. I mean, I thought the casting was pretty much perfect. Like, we haven't had, you know, just in this era of movies that we're in now, we have such perfect casting. And then, every so often, it gets thrown away. Like, the... Jessica Alba, and I can never remember the guy that played uh, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, his name, he's a Welsh guy named Ian Grufford. Well, I believe, like, the casting for all four of them was really well thought. I have to disagree with you on Jessica Alba. I think she's a terrible actress. I think she's a good actress. I thought she did well as, as the Invisible Girl. Yeah. Uh, granted, they could have found someone who was a little older. Like, if they, if they took an older Jessica Alba, that would have been perfect. Okay, we'll talk about Doctor Doom in a second. Oh, uh, yeah. Here's my problem with her casting as Sue Storm. Sue Storm, in the traditionally, is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, right? Yes. Okay. I'm not saying that Sue Storm has to be blonde-haired, blue-eyed, right? But okay. Jessica Alba is a Latina actress, a Spanish actress. They could have just left her as a Spanish girl. Like, Sue Storm could be Spanish. It doesn't matter what race she is. 
But it's the fact that they took this Spanish actress with brown eyes and dark hair and gave her blonde hair and blue eyes so that she would fit the source material. That's my problem with it. You can't have both, all right? You can't have this gorgeous Latina actress playing this vanilla, blonde-haired, blue-eyed character. It, it, you, you need to pick one or the other. You can't, like, force a, a Latina actress, or not force, but, like, make, make up a Latina actress to be blonde-haired and blue-eyed. Just pick, make Sue Storm Spanish. It's not that big a deal. Or pick a blonde-haired, blue-eyed actress. I don't know. It's like, it, that always bothered me about it. But I, I feel like there was, a, like, that was good. Like, it was a nice little, like, compromise. Like, if you have an actress that fits the bill, and you just need to alter, then alter. It's kind of like you have a super fit actor, but he needs to gain weight or become super thin to fit this bill because he's a good actor. Yeah. Then he's going to do it. Okay, this actor, this actress has blonde hair, but the character we need has black hair. So they're going to dye their hair black. Natalie Portman in fucking V for Vendetta. Part of the comic is she gets her head shaved. So what do they do? They actually shave her hair. They don't give her like a cover off to keep her hair or anything like they actually shave her hair. Yeah, I hear where you're you're coming from, but like you could have... It just rubbed me I feel like you have a vendetta against Jessica Alba. She's not a good actress at all. Like, I really think she's a terrible actress, and I don't understand why she's given been given so many acting roles. Uh, she's very pretty, but I, I just felt like it's a distracting alteration, in my opinion. But we don't want to get too bogged down on any one entry. Let's talk about Sin City. Speaking of Jessica Alba, Sin City. Oh, I love Sin City. Oh, the first Sin I City love- is really good. I love, I love the noir style of the movie. Yeah. I love, you know, the, all the different... The cast is phenomenal for that movie. Yes. Elijah Wood and the crazy cannibal is amazing. Mickey Rourke as Marv is fucking phenomenal. It's God, it's got such a great. It's so good. Again, sticking to source material. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's that's literally the thing to, to notice with all the really good movies is that they stuck to source material. It's it's a really good entry. It's a shame that the sequel took 12 years for it to come out, but... And it wasn't that good. And it wasn't that good, but uh, it's so good. You say we need to change films that stick to source material. The next entry, V for Vendetta, really good fucking film. Really good fucking film. Oh, phenomenal film. Yeah. Phenomenal film. Okay. The only thing is, like, it's really good, and it is forgivable, and which, you know, is totally understandable, but they left out some some parts of the comic that kind of, like, give a little more explanation yeah. to some of the things that happened in the movie. Yeah. Which is totally fair, because it's a hefty comic. Yeah, that's the thing I was just about to say. We, we talk about... We talk about sticking to the source material. This is a good example of not sticking to the source material 100%, because... The graphic novel, it's so, it's so deep and so dark that it's like there's no way we can we can encapsulate this all into one film. So we need to like pick the best parts and make it work. Exactly, and and for what it is, it was it was very well done. Hugo Weaving as V was perfect. Absolutely, yes, perfect. I I a thousand percent agree. Natalie Portman, phenomenal. Stephen Rea as the yep. detective. John Hurt as the big brother, like guy, the the man in charge. It was it's really good, and it really did get me thinking. I guess this is a question for another day, but like, 
when the detective's asking his partner, like, if your government was responsible for the worst disaster in human history, would you want to know about it? And I'm like, ooh, it's a very, it's a very fascinating movie. It brings up some pretty fascinating questions. And that's what I, that's the biggest thing I love about that movie because it's, you know, it was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, movie that kind of opens your eyes to like, you know government conspiracies, yeah. you know, question what you believe and so on and so forth, seeing the truth and, you know, looking beyond like what blanket of media, whatever, whatever comes out that to say that that movie helped kind of catapult that kind of movement, that kind of like seeing beyond everything else. I definitely, I don't, I'm sure there are numerous motivations and influences for where we're at now as far as what you're talking about, but I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I would say that while there's probably been several, that is probably one of them significantly. Exactly. Okay, so we're going to breeze through these last five, and we're going to cap it off with my least favorite of all time. This, this, These next five really begin like a really down, it, it, it kind of gets the, the genre back in a slump. Okay, just real quickly, X-Men Last Stand. Terrible. Ryan Singer oh. should have directed it. It's a shame he didn't. It's just, it's really, X2 is so good, and then you have Last Stand, and it's just, uh. I mean, it, it's X3, and then the following Spider-Man 3 have probably come to be, like, the GOAT of, you know, the comic book movie industry. Like, these are the ones that you're just like, yeah, this is what we're trying to avoid. Because you had... Okay. Great start, amazing sequel, crap, third one. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves because that's that's where we're ending. Okay, next is Superman Returns. It's not crap. bad. It's just so boring. God damn, it's boring. Yeah, it, it drags on. I think the problem is that it tried to pick up where the previous Superman movie was, which was in the 80s? one of the first things we talked about. So you're trying to revitalize a movie series that we haven't seen or heard from in 20, 30 odd years. Yeah, something like that. It's It was not a smart decision. <sighs> but it, 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 it had potential, but it was extremely boring. Okay, next, Ghost Rider. I kind of liked Ghost Rider. I, I didn't love it. I thought it was a good try. I thought it was a good effort. Nah, it was. I think Nicolas Cage was awful. I think the film was awful. The only good parts are when you literally see Ghost Rider, and everything else is just retarded. I'm sorry, it's just really bad. Uh, again, it was a good effort. The Ghost Rider bits were actually really well done. Yeah, I think, we're, that, I think we're on the same page on that one. Okay, uh, next is Fantastic Four Two. Garbage. Ah, why Garbage. couldn't they have just given <laughs> Silver Surfer his own film? Fuck. I mean, it, it's like the Silver Surfer could have been portrayed a lot better. The biggest thing that drives me crazy about this movie is Galactus. Oh, yeah, they fucking... Well, we didn't even talk about Doctor Doom with the first one, but it's the same boat as Doctor Doom with Galactus. They just fucking ruin the characters. I'm like, why do you have to ruin everything? It's not that hard to find a Doctor Doom that's powerful and manipulating with his own different power set. Like, you don't have to group him in with all of the others. He's totally different, and that's okay, and you embrace that, and you run with it. Yeah. Doctor Doom is a combination of science and magic. 
Yeah. And that's what they've, and they've always stayed away from magic because they felt like that was too much fantasy. Even yeah. though we're in a comic book world and we have a giant rock guy walking around. Yeah. But they felt like the magic was too much and it, you know, it would have been a little too fantasy that people weren't going to take it seriously. Yeah. And also trying to explain how we got those magic powers would have taken a whole other movie to begin with. But with Galactus, look, I know the, the idea of like a giant, I don't even know what Humanoid this, being. Yeah, humanoid being. I know that sounds silly on paper, but you couldn't make it work. God. But it's not that hard. Like, and I guarantee, if you were to take Galactus, and again, like, you can kind of dummy down, or you can kind of like, you know, drop down the purple, blue, giant forehead yeah. helmet. You can dial that down. Like, that's okay. I will give you that. Yeah. But... If you were to also, like, and granted, the cloud was ridiculous. The fact that they had a silhouette of Galactus was an insult. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's not a homage. That's an insult because it's not Galactus. He's not just giant, free-floating cloud thing that comes and sucks up your world. It's a shame. I really hope that Fantastic Four goes back to Marvel because I feel like current Marvel could make it work. Oh, my God. Current, current Marvel would crush with a Fantastic Four movie. Okay, and now we're gonna we're gonna talk about the film I hate talking about, Spider Man Three. I oh, what was such a waste. Yeah, such a waste. I think the only good part about that movie was Sandman. God, if it had just been Peter Parker versus Sandman, I would have been happy. But <sighs> and again, for those who aren't well read with Spider Man and everything, I think the biggest issue that you and I both have is Venom. Because Venom is a symbiote, and the way they portrayed him was cool. I will give them that. The way they did, like, the actual, like, symbiote, like, thing, pretty solid. But in the comics, Eddie Brock, the the first person that he possesses, the one he takes over for the longest amount of time, is huge. He's, like, the size of the rock, if not bigger. Like, he's a big bulky, aggressive, strong individual. So then when Venom possesses him, or, yeah, or when they join together, Venom, as a result, is also huge. And he has, like, of course, the giant mouth with the sharp teeth and the lashing tongue, and he's a big, bulky monster of a character. Okay. And then they drop it on Eric Foreman, the scrawny little kid, and just kind of make him... This kind of parasitic, like, half-attempted, just garbage piece of mess. Okay, but I will tell a story. I'm not sure you recall this story. All I will say about this film, because I've said a lot about this film, and not a lot of it's been good. To my honor, I swear this is an actual conversation we had. I recall when I first heard that Sandman was the bad guy... They were going to use Harry Osborn as a Green Goblin, and they were going to introduce Venom all in one film. I literally, I recall this conversation. I don't remember if we called each other or if it was through AIM or whatever, but I literally said, this film is going to disappoint me some way, somehow, and you asked me how. I was like, it's either going to have way too many villains in it, which it turned out to do, or Spider-Man's only going to have this black costume, and... 
he's gonna fight Sandman, he's gonna fight Green Goblin, and then they'll have to I'll have to wait another few years for a Venom to come out in Spider-Man 4. Which is honestly the way I wish it would have gone. Like I really wish <laughs> they would have just saved Venom for Spider-Man 4. You know what I'm saying? Give him his that, own. That definitely would have been a that would have been a much better movie. That would have been way better. So that does it for part one. We we discussed up until Spider-Man 3, it's that's really the low point in my personal opinion. But then again, I'm obviously biased. The next we're going to talk about the modern age, which I feel goes from 2008 to 2012, and it's the beginning of the dominance, specifically Marvel dominance and stuff like that. So, any uh, any final words you want to talk about before we move on to the next part? That's all, I'm trying to gather my thoughts right now to see where we're at. No, I mean the last thought I have to say is you know. Moving into this era, there's a lot of high points. Yeah. You know, a lot of things that were done differently and, you know, a lot of high hopes for the future. And, you know, we kind of see that shift from DC to Marvel, really. Yeah. Well, this is where Marvel takes over the game. Okay. So that's the end of part one. We'll uh, see you guys in part two. Later, guys.